You're listening to the podcast from Barnabas Fund. Welcome to this week's Barnabas Fund podcast. And we've had a little break from the podcast, um, but um, I'm back with in the studio with Angela and Matthew, and we'll be talking about it in the news. I'm joined by a very special guest um, from Lancashire, who's been um, Suzanne Smith, who's been raising some money for Barnabas Fund. So we'll be hearing about that as well. Um, thanks for joining us. Um, and um, Angela, first of all, we'll start off with a story from Myanmar today. Yes, good to be back, Andrew. Yes, and many of our listeners will be aware of the situation in Myanmar, uh, the military coup and uh, the, the protests that are taking place and, and the harsh clampdown uh, in many regions by the military, particularly in city, cities. I think we're up to about 138 civilians have been killed um, in the pushback from the military. Um, very difficult times there. And we heard um, and reported this week that Myanmar government, which is now a military-controlled government, fully military-controlled, has a system of 335 surveillance cameras uh, fully equipped with, with facial recognition, um, which uh, is of Chinese origin, the technology. And we know um, that these particular technologies can identify um, ethnic groups. So um, doesn't take uh, much to figure out, put two and two together, that ethnic minorities are already under a great deal of pressure, um, and that would in- include um, groups like the Kachin Christians, um, the Chin, the Karen, and of course uh, Rohingya, um, who are mainly Muslim group, who are already being um, horrifically oppressed in Myanmar, are now potentially going to be subject to um, this surveillance and a digital oppression as well. We've talked about this digital persecution again and again, and, and it, this is just another example of China now exporting this uh, this technology to other countries around the world. And as technology grows and, and snowballs, if you like, uh, across the world, and especially in developing countries, um, governments that that uh, are particularly um, oppressive um, of minority groups will begin to use this technology, as, as Angela said, to um, to look a little closer at Christians and, and other um, ethnic minorities and minority religious groups and use it as a tool to persecute. And we don't need to be wearing tinfoil hats to be concerned about um the, the use of technology and surveillance in, in modern societies all over the world, but, but particularly where Christians are persecuted, we're seeing um, worrying signs, aren't we, Angela? I think so. Uh, we've certainly seen that in China with the Uyghurs uh, and, and, and other groups um, and the, the chilling telltale code um, that, that you see there in, in the software that defines whether someone's Han Chinese, um, Uyghur or another group, um, it's all there. It's all there in black and white, and um, it's certainly something to be aware of. And I, I see that as a growing area of concern, as Matthew quite rightly points out, and also something around the world um, for rights groups and, and legal groups as well, advocacy groups, to note that we need um, to develop some kind of defence and deeper understanding of our digital freedom in a number of domains. It's, it's just another consideration for these persecuted groups to have to think about um, when meeting 
how who is watching them and and what devices they have on them you know if they have mobile phones on them that are being they're being listened to as they have their meeting groups uh, you know as their cameras around the 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 place that they're meeting if it's an underground church um so it's just another element uh of, of persecution that's that's coming in very very much by the back door um and something that we as an organization uh need to need to be um continually aware of and, and look at um uh, strategies that that persecuted Christians might avoid these situations. I wanted to also bring up um, a, a, for our second story um, Saudi Arabia, which which is not a country that often appears on the top sort of ten persecuting countries or, or and that kind of. But but it is a country where Christianity is entirely suppressed. Christians are not able to worship are not able to bring literature into the country or anything like that. Um, um, Saudi Arabia. So what's happened there, Angela? Well, yes, as you rightly point out, we seldom get much news uh, emerging from Saudi Arabia, but this one has come out and a convert from Islam, and we believe uh, this man has been um, a citizen in Saudi Arabia. We don't know for sure, but, but we are assuming that. He's lived there all his life, and he has appeared in court. Uh, we know him only by the initial A. So A appeared in court in March, earlier in March, on charges of trying to convert Muslims. And apparently this arose just from a casual conversation he had in a restaurant last year um, where he just discussed his his own, um, allegedly discussed his own conversion to Christianity, um, something that we might take for granted that we could do if someone happened to ask us or we happened to want to share that information in a public setting. Mm. Saudi Arabia operates under Wahhabism, um, which is a, a sort of an ultra-conservative, ultra-orthodox um, type of Sunni Islam. And it's interesting that they're, they're a country of particular concern under the US Commission of International Relief, Religious Freedom, yet still the West um, is very much um, cuddled up to Saudi Arabia and these these incidences that we and Angela said we don't get many out um, just should shed a light on Saudi Arabia. And I think in the recent press it has had um, certain light shed upon it in in other um, uh, non-related persecution incidents, um, but it's beginning to look into what is a very very closed state. I think it's it's worth just pointing out, you know, that um, it's a capital offence for any Muslim to leave Islam in Saudi Arabia. Uh, very very serious. Um, and we don't know of any converts that have been executed in recent times, um, but there are documented cases of individuals who have been murdered um, by their families or, 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 or members of the community. Um, it's certainly not safe for foreigners to be openly uh, Christian um, in Saudi Arabia at the moment. Even in the, I think, even in the more liberal areas, you, as a as a non-Saudi citizen, I think I believe you can just you can have your faith and you can worship privately. But no churches are being built, no access to worship materials. Um, there's nothing that, uh, that that promotes any sort of um, you know positive Christian attitude, and uh, yet they often get forget forgotten by many organisations. And there are quite large migrant communities, aren't there? Of many Christians who who simply you know cannot worship um, when well, while they're in Saudi Arabia. So, um, they, 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 yeah. Migrant communities are working on some of the big building projects and they're, they're, they're treated so poorly, um, most often, and, and can be a result of their religious beliefs. And even diplomatic staff based in Saudi Arabia have to hide any worship 
they do. So, I mean, it is, um, it's, it's a very serious issue, actually. Um, anyway, um, let's move on to um, Nigeria, a country we often have to um, discuss, unfortunately, in this um, podcast. We, um, Angela, we, the, there's been some more co- college abductions. Yes, there's been a number of these happening um, uh, early this year and late last year. Uh, this most recent one is in Kaduna State, and that's in northern Nigeria. And we did hear from contacts in the region that 39 students had been abducted um, from a college, actually, a forestry mechanisation college in Kaduna State. And um, they're mostly Christian, we understand. And a video was released of of the students being held somewhere um, in the bush. Uh, They'd been had their clothes taken from them, so they were just in their underwear. And uh, one of the, the, the male students was being uh, coerced to speak out and he was um, asking the government to intervene. And you can see quite clearly behind him uh, a militant wearing army, army fatigues and carrying a, an AK-47. So these are organised um, groups. Uh, we don't know if they're linked to any particular terror group, but we can't assume that they're not. There's clearly... Um, trained and well equipped, um, and we do we do pray, um, you know, and ask for urgent prayer for anyone listening um, that that these young people will be released safely um, in the Lord's will as soon as possible. There, there has to be, doesn't there, that level of organisation to abduct such a large group of people? Um, you know, it's it's not just I think as as many media have reported bandits with 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 semi-automatic rifles, as Angela said, they they have to have some sort of backing to and an, an organisation at least to plan such an event. Um, the area in in Nigeria that it's happened, Kaduna State, you know, is, is very much at the moment a boiling point of um, of violence and anti-Christian persecution. And these these attacks, these abductions, schools and and colleges, they started some time ago. I mean, the famous Jibok girls. Um, and that's still an unresolved situation. We've also got um, the, that young woman, Leah Sharabu, who is still in captivity, I think. I believe uh, she's yeah. just turned 18, actually, Absolutely. Andrew. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, she, you know, extraordinary story that she was taken alongside um, many other um, young women. Um, I think they were 15 or 16, weren't they? And um, and she was she refused to um to to, to to renounce Christianity and and remained in captivity, um, and so so there is a history there. Boko Haram, um, the literal translation, they're against Western education, aren't they? And um, that's a hallmark of what they do there. And next week we will be hearing from from the region from Hassan John, who's a very good friend of Barnabas Funds and Fund, and 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 he will and very knowledgeable about violence and and persecution in the region. So so please revisit next week. Also visit the Barnabas Fund website to to get more detail on these stories. There's a particularly fascinating story on the anti-conversion laws on in in Sri Lanka that um, that that repays reading in depth, I think. Um, and we'll move on to our final story this week, which is about Egypt. And, and we try and end this segment of the podcast with, with, with something that's perhaps a little more 
good news? We do have an upbeat story from Egypt, uh, Andrew, and maybe our listeners will have heard before that President al-Sisi in Egypt is actually quite supportive of the Christian community and has condemned attacks and violence against Christians. He's also been very supportive of um, the the legalisation and registration um, of churches and church buildings. Um, so we, we were encouraged to hear that... Um, Christianity and Judaism are going to be included in education. So in the education system, when they're teaching uh, religious education in schools, um, there will now be an inclusion of other religions, um, particularly Christianity and Judaism, along with Islam. And this is uh, has the aim of really to promote uh, religious tolerance and understanding and even look at certain common values across these um, these religions. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks be to God for this really progressive move from Egypt. We were talking earlier about Saudi Arabia and, you know, Egypt very much used to be in that similar vein of quite a, um, quite a difficult state with a lot of crimes against humanity and a lot of human rights groups looking particularly at Egypt. But in the last year, um, and uh, certainly last year, uh, we've we, we begun to see this more liberal progression um, within Egypt, as Angela said, um, registering churches. There's, there's, there's a backlog, um, so do continue to pray for that backlog of churches that need to be registered. Um, but it's very pleasing to see this news. Excellent. Um, thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Angela. Angela's going to be leading us in prayer at the end of the podcast for the Persecuted Church. Stay tuned for our interview next with Suzanne Smith. Um, thanks for joining us. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm joined now by Suzanne Smith from the Lancashire area, and she has, um, with Various people in, in local churches has undertaken a fundraising event to raise money for Barnabas Fund. Suzanne, can you tell me a little bit more about what you did? Uh, yes, so we put time aside, four hours for the persecuted church, and we could spend that either in physical activity. Some people ran or cycled or walked um, and uh, to spend it to, and, and or in prayer for the persecuted church. And uh, yes, we had about 30 people that took part from uh, different churches and they were aged between about 10 and early 60s, I think. Excellent. And you yourself, you did some quite vigorous exercise, I think, didn't you? Uh, no, I took it very steady, but I did. Uh, I cycled and walked during that time, yes, and spent as much time as I could in prayer for them. It was uh, it was a good focus. It was a beautiful day. God really blessed us with a beautiful day, and it was a very special time, actually. Yeah. Excellent. You raised nearly two thousand uh, pounds. Yes, some, some uh, about one thousand two hundred and forty-five on just giving. With uh, first time they've ever done it, actually set up a just giving page, and the rest was in cash and checks to myself. And there'll be some gift aid, some money gift aided to add to that as well. And uh, and uh, and I think some people gave directly as well. So it's uh, yes, the impact only only the Lord knows really. Well, you you told me earlier that um, that that quite a few children took part as well. Yes, so about half of the people that took were eight years, uh, 18 and under, which is fantastic to know that the young people in our churches want to support their church family. I was very inspired by that, yes. And also a few non-church children took part, and a lady in our church uh, sponsored them, actually, which was good because they probably won't hear that there is such a people as persecuted Christians from anywhere else. So uh, it was good that they felt they wanted to take part. 
And, th and that brings us on to where the inspiration for this comes from. And Suzanne, could you tell me a little bit more about how you how 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 you came across Barnabas Fund and how you came across your concern for the persecuted church? I think um, probably um, coming um, coming to the concern for the persecuted church. I think that was probably examples of um, believers that uh, are around us. I know there was uh, been a, a persecuted church prayer group that had been going for about 30 years or has now. And several years ago, um, I joined that. They meet for, fortnightly, but not during COVID, but usually meet fortnightly to pray just for persecuted Christians. And that was a great inspiration um, to me. To And we read through the magazines, the Barnabas magazines, and we pray according to that. So that was probably, uh, I can't remember how I got involved with that, but uh, that was probably where the first uh, to know and about the persecuted church and to hear about their suffering, what they were going through. Uh, was from there, I think, so from other believers. And um, there's in our church prayer meeting as well, there's uh, faithful believers there, that uh, in our personal church, that um, each week in our church prayer meeting, we pay, pray for persecuted believers. So I think just mostly from the people that I knew around, that's started to get a bit interested. I remember um, quite a long time ago, uh, I was re after reading that believers were starving, I remember asking the Lord and and I cringe a bit at the question now. It sounds a bit irreverent, maybe, but it was a genuine question. And you, Lord, why have you not provided for your people, Lord? Because they were starving. And and I believe that the answer was that I have provided you, as in the body of Christ, for their provision. And then uh, as if I'd have known my Bible a bit better, I would have seen the many examples of that in the early church, really. You know, the collections and that were uh, sent to people that were struggling and starving or suffering. And and um uh, you know giving as people had uh, in uh, term, with their ability that to, to give to his people that were suffering and uh, and i I, I don't live up to responsibility in the challenge of that really you know that uh, that we are the the provision <laughs> that god has provided the church that has plenty for those that don't and that are struggling in those ways really and uh, yes it was a so the lord and his word is my main inspiration and then other faithful believers that uh, that love pers the persecuted church, and uh, you know it's just a privilege to stand with them, isn't it, in prayer and support, and uh, just uh, their patient endurance, their love of the Lord, their trust in Him, and uh, it's just a lesson and a challenge to the rest of us, isn't it? And uh, they're an amazing example because their walk is a challenge. So yes, that's <laughs> those are places that uh, that uh, my inspiration has come to. I think, and Barnabas Fund itself. You know, um, I love the fact that aid is channeled through you know, from believers through believers to believers, and uh, and the fact that if we donate to a project, a hundred percent of the money we donate is given directly to believers, and uh, you know that's we know that any donations will make a difference, and uh, yes. So, uh, so uh, that's just through the magazine, just reading the magazine and the prayer bulletins, just keeping us in touch with what's going on because we wouldn't know otherwise. And uh, the privilege to stand with them. Suzanne, that is music to our ears. All your praise, but we we really hope um, that you've been inspiring to other listeners to the podcast to 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 start raising some funds and. Um, 
and and because there's the the needs are huge and great as you know um so mm-hmm. thank you so much suzanne really grateful for your support and thanks for being with us on the podcast today thank you very much god bless Our loving God and eternal Heavenly Father, Lord, we are uh, grateful for the opportunity to be able to share this information with the wider world. Lord, we lift up your persecuted um, people, Lord. We we pray for their need across this planet. We think particularly of this time um, of Myanmar and all and all people there who are under great oppression and and unrest and uncertainty, Lord. And we particularly lift up our brothers and sisters there. Um, some are still hiding in the jungle. We do pray that you would meet their needs and protect them, Lord. We pray especially you would hold them up in their faith and give them courage in the face of this trial. We do pray for peace in that region and a restoration of, of democratic government. We think of um, prisoner A who has already suffered flogging and imprisonment uh, for, for owning the name of Jesus Christ. We, we thank thee for his courage, Lord, and we, we pray that you would keep him um, and secure him in his faith, uh, help his family around him as well um, as they think of his needs, Lord. We do pray for his forthcoming uh, court case that um, in your will that he would be acquitted and safely returned to his family. Lord, we do thank you for this wonderful, encouraging news from Egypt where the, the government and the president in particular um, would like to see Christians treated more fairly and equally um, with the rest of the citizens of the country. And we, we do pray, as children learn about Judaism and Christianity, that a new era of tolerance uh, would arrive. Um, we ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Barnabas Fund podcast. We are truly grateful for your support, prayers, and partnership in serving our persecuted family around the world. Please subscribe to this podcast and recommend to a family member or friend. You can find more about Barnabas Fund by visiting us at barnabasfund.org or finding us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and YouTube. God bless and take care.